All aboard the USS Butterscotch. It is the Stranger Things 3 podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Talking about Chapter 4, not the Shauna test, the sauna test. I am here with uh, joined by a man who is uh, he's, he's, he's full of a lot of things, ice cream included. Mike Bloom, the watching of the of the overwhelming amount of ice cream being eaten in this episode clearly is the most important thing that we must discuss right off the top of the show. I'm sick as well because uh, my podcast origin story was outed. As you know, I got the deal of po- free podcasts for life just because I was able to call, crawl through a small <laughs> vent to get into right. Rob's apartment one time. Right. So uh, I think that, you know, much like Wonder Woman was revealed, my own superhero origin story, if you can consider what I have a superpower, but... Uh, you know what? I feel indestructible. I've been thrown through a brick wall, and I'm ready to just keep on running through the night with my shirt off. As you know, if you've been listening to these Stranger Things podcasts here on Poster Recaps, and if you haven't, welcome aboard. Uh, <laughs> you, a very odd place to drop you, in. You've dropped in at a strange time, and you've missed some very weird things, and the weird things are going to continue to happen here, so I'm not even going to try and catch you up on what's going <laughs> on. Uh, but if, if you are just, uh, if you're if you're just joining us, then you know, uh, or, if you, or if you have been with us this whole way, then you you know uh, that Mike and I have been watching the season three of Stranger Things uh, together in the same room, and we are we are really trying to to like get through this uh, in in you know short enough order that we're going to be able to watch every single episode together. If that's not the case, it's going to be because of things like this episode where Erica is getting so much ice cream that Mike and I had to literally stop and pause the episode to just like for like almost like 10 minutes to just fully absorb the breadth of ice cream that Erica is currently uh, indulging in in this episode. I think we we decided 16 different types Mm, of ice cream, like 16 individual ice cream items that Erica is consuming uh, as she is holding her Scoops Ahoy friends uh, or frenemies hostage. Let, let's, let's be clear here. I'm glad that Erica did a lot of active stuff this episode because at the rate she's going, she's going to lose one of her feet by the time she's like 10 years old. Yeah. Oh, God. It's not it's not going to be great. Uh, it, it, I mean, if she, I'm, I'm concerned on a number of levels. There's a moment where Erica says uh, that she has no phobias, but this is a person who is just about to crawl through an air vent with a full belly filled with like 16 different ice cream products. Like, I think that at least two different phobias would naturally stem from that. Yeah. Should the should the Operation Child Endangerment go wrong? I mean, maybe that's one of the inspirations behind the gooey rat CGI, was they thought, what if you ate a bunch of ice cream? What if you uh, basically ate the equivalent of three Ziggy Piggies mm-hmm. from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure <laughs> yes. and uh, upchucked it and produced those results? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good way to sort of burn off some calories and i'm assuming scream is going to burn off some calories as well considering how they are on the elevator to hell it yes. seems at the end of this episode all right so we're talking stranger things season three episode four the sauna test it is there's no one named shauna in this episode i lose again uh in terms of my predictions for the episode titles mike i think that you you had something yeah. about how this was going to be like a temperature test yeah, I, well, I said it that I, I guess like I win by default because I actually mentioned it would involve a sauna. But I believe my idea was that the sauna would be a, a sentient form of artificial intelligence. Right. And the test would be to test whether or not it's able to think on its own. Now, actually, maybe this does link in uh, closer than we think because we're, if we're doing this whole uh, idea of, you know, hosts and parasites based on the host and, you know, remnants that are lingering of the host in certain people. Maybe that's sort of this idea of like a, a CPU, you know, that this this we still have the mother brain remnant of the mind flayer 
here in Hawkins and everyone else are sort of like the functions of the computer, the buttons that are sort of being typed on its own and, and doing its dirty work. So we, we've we got a lot to go through in this episode. Very eventful. Uh, we've got a lot of Stranger Things still ahead of us. Just a reminder on the schedule, which I'm very happy that we've been, we've been keeping pace on here. Mike, we've got a few more episodes still to cover. We've got episode five is going to be posting July 12th. We've got episode uh, six is going to be posting July 15th. Episode 7 on July 17th and Episode 8, the season finale, we will be posting that podcast on July 19th. And, of course, our feedback special will be posting July 24th. Uh, The room that Mike and I are watching Stranger Things Season 3 in is deep in the recesses of the Upside Down. So our ability to field your feedback live is limited to none. So please get us that feedback. Postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. You can tweet at us. Postshowrecaps on Twitter. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. I am at Round Howard. We want that feedback for that feedback show. It's going to be a very fun show. Um, Mike, let's let's dig into it because there's just so much. Uh, we've talked a lot about. Oh, ice we've been cream. so much. Do we need to dig in more? We'll get we'll get we'll get back into the ice cream. But I like starting with the cold opens because Stranger Things season three <laughs> so far. So many unintentional. I know. Ones. I can't get away from it. Uh, the the season so far, like every episode, I think has had some sort of pre credit sequence um, that I feel like is worth unpacking. And this is uh, this is you know no exception to the rule. Of this episode, the sauna test, where it begins. It's the, it's the pouring rain still because you willed it into existence, Mike. You said it never rains in Hawkins, and then boom, here yeah, comes the and thunder. Then, but then out came the sun and dried up all the rain, and the itsy-bitsy spider-looking feral creature uh, went out of the steelworks again. Yeah, there's like a few things that happen in the in the pre credit sequence. It, it starts off where Eleven is still feeling like very strange about what happened when she went to Billy and Heather's house, and they left before Billy and Heather clubbed Heather's parents to death with a wine bottle, and no, by to, to death, I mean death, they subdued yeah. them. They subdued them. Yeah, exactly. To temporary uh, lack of consciousness. Yeah, it's a lack of consciousness so that they could drag them to the steelworks. Uh, Eleven, uh, she also gets an education on Wonder Woman. Mm. That's fun. That's Do great. Any sort of uh, we feel like are being planted there. I mean, she does have a lasso of truth. Friends don't lie. Friends it's been don't a, a lie. Recurring theme of Stranger Things. I think Eleven uh, getting aboard an invisible jet by the end of the season feels unlikely. <laughs> Um, I thought that the, the, I was trying to like think about what Max specifically said about Wonder Woman. She's, she's talking about how, uh, her name is Wonder Woman, aka Princess Diana. She's from Paradise Island where mm-hmm. there are only these hidden Amazon warriors there. And it makes me wonder, is Eleven's fate somehow at some point meant to be that she's going to reunite? with the other people from like the Hawkins Lab project. Uh, are we going to see some of those people showing back up here in season three? It would be it would be interesting if they were all young girls, mm-hmm. specifically that were because we the only two examples we have right now are her and Callie. That's right. So if, you know, one through seven, nine and ten, and you know, maybe twelve and beyond were all girls. I mean uh, that you know, I, I know that uh, Brenner was a weird character to begin with. It makes his ideas even creepier. A little in bit, retrospect, a little uh, bit stranger. But it could be an interesting connection to yeah, because you do have sort of uh, the Athenians sort of segregated on their own island until Diana does sort of venture out into the world. And I wonder if uh, it's a similar type of story with Eleven, and maybe she'll 
fine. I don't know. We we only we have half the season to go. It would feel weird at this point to introduce that. But then again, the much maligned chapter seven of last season did just sort of pop up near the end. So we still do have a couple of options. Well, I wonder if it's possible that they can't. Uh, can can they can they like now just sort of airdrop some of those characters now that they've clumsily but still they've gotten the work done where they've laid track for the fact that. There are other people like Eleven out there. Could mm. some people like in, in an 11th hour and like a moment of need <laughs> show up? But I feel like they haven't really seeded it much. Can they technically season? show up on the 11th hour? Do yeah, they have could, to show up like I'm on the 8th hour? Kelly well, can only show up to things at 8 o'clock. Well, there's only 8 hours in uh, in season 3 of Stranger Things. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. Uh, there's another scene here in the cold open where, where Jonathan and Nancy, they're with poor Mrs. Driscoll, who's just covered uh, double D fertilizer. She's going to town on that fertilizer like Erica is on that ice cream. I mean, I guess the big would you rather. Poops ahoy. It's, <laughs> it's really gross. Not yeah. a fan. Well, Nancy's going to later, you know, disguise herself uh, super undercover as Nancy Driscoll. Right. And, uh, you know, go into Mrs. Driscoll's room with flowers. But I'm thinking, like, just walk in there with a nice big old plant of, you know, bag of potted soil. Yeah, and Mrs. Driscoll will be like, that's her. That's my niece. Yeah. That's her. This could be more <laughs> that's of a granddaughter. Gift. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, she play, brought me food. play into her interest. You know, yeah. we see a lot of dirty cop work this episode, but uh, Nancy didn't get dirty enough she needs to get up to her arms and soil at this well point. she's gonna get a real pep talk later on that we'll talk about so well, may- maybe that's in the future pep talk uh, not a pop talk either way mrs driscoll with the fertilizer all over her face while she's screaming like jack shepherd i have to go back yeah i mean this would be evocative a, a, this is the alternate cut to the season three finale of lost right? i don't know what's worse all of that fertilizer on mrs driscoll's face or that fake beard on matthew fox's face <laughs> in that uh very famous lost scene another uh subtle lost plug uh, for us as we're as we're gearing up towards a little special something on uh pusher recaps in the next few weeks uh final thing in the cold open is billy and heather uh who have uh heather's parents uh tom and mrs tom uh they're they're tied up and and he's really trying to like you know appeal to to his daughter he's like what what are you doing why is this happening and she says there's no stopping this daddy and and billy says try not to move and uh, it's going to be hard not to move uh, when you see this giant, like, eight-legged, musculature, rat guts monster thing crawling towards you that then tentacles you in the face mm-hmm. and starts inserting itself into your existence. I don't know. It's really gross and weird. I mean, so let's talk about this. Uh, so this is the first time we're seeing the monster. I think we've seen it, you know, in the shadows beforehand. I gotta say, uh, most swole Stranger Things monster we've seen in all yeah, three seasons. Yeah, but it's it's also one of those like I, I I look at that thing and it looks like it's just like all raw material, mm. you know, like just like raw, like the kind of thing that like if 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 the party is able to corner this monster at some point later on in the season, I hope that they just have like huge vats of lemon juice and salt <laughs> with them because I think just like pour that on this monster and it will just like shrivel up. Yeah, I mean, it looks, like, it looks like a big old meat man. It's gross. It's so gross. Yeah, but it just I looks love like it, a, a huge walking wound. Yeah, but I love that though because I, you know, now it sort of makes sense as to why we see these like sort of festering wounds on Billy, especially near the end of this episode when I think the mind flare really starts to possess him, and it's very different than you know the Demogorgon. Obviously, seemed like more of a mythical creature. Maybe something out of like the Guillermo del Toro uh, Pan's Labyrinth playbook. Last time was really more of a a mental monster in the form the of the Snoop mind doggy player. demog dogs as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Like there was there were the demog dogs, but this really feels like just gross 
and I love it. Well, I love it, to get dirty with this. Well, it seems like it's some sort of product of the mind flare, at the very least, this right. creature, uh, which, uh, as we like to do, I think let's let's talk about this in terms of storyline now that we're moving on from the cold open, and let's let's focus on the kids because Max and Eleven have been separate from uh, from from the party for the last little while. Yeah, we're now, going, we're going co-ed this episode. Yeah, it's a co-ed. It's a mixer. Uh, everybody everybody's coming together to to figure out what the heck is wrong with Billy and Will's all panic about the fact that he thinks that the mind flayer is back they send up the code red uh and everybody gets together uh begrudgingly max initially ignores the code red which i feel like is irresponsible this is what the code red is for well her hair is red so i wonder if he she thought that lucas was trying to like worm her way back into because like yeah. they're, they're off right they she's sort of, like a little bit off she I made mean, like she's... a pact with 11 of like yeah. screw boys let's dump them together yeah oh i don't think that she outright dumped lucas but she's dumped him three times they broke it up three times at the very least mm-hmm. so but i feel like if lucas violated the code red that would be grounds for a fourth and final breakup for sure yeah you would uh, think so you got you gotta you gotta answer the code red so eventually they get the phone call and it's mike on the phone and when mike is calling max because they've had like kind of an awkward thing yeah. like, you know it's serious this is real business yeah all everyone's lives are at stake which you know it comes to life later mike that's dramatic it's a little dramatic. dramatic. It's a little dramatic, but we've seen like the we've seen the exploding rat. We've seen like the we've they seen, haven't though. They haven't yet, but they're they're getting there. And I think that the fact that Will senses the mind flare, like that's good enough for everybody. So Will like talks them through. He's like, so I've been getting like the goose pimps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm having that feeling that I get when I when I used. Remember when I was possessed by like a crazy upside down shadow demon? Remember how like I was really weird and really freaky and scary? Well, I'm starting to get like some of those weird freaky scary feelings again. It's not cool. And he sketches out, literally, like, sketches out the theory that when they, in season two, when they when they sealed the gate, when Eleven sealed the gate and they banished the Mind Flare into the gate, that the little bit that was still inside of Will um, did not go back into the gate. Right. That when they, when, when they exercised the demons from Will, that that little bit that escaped from Will didn't escape fast enough to escape back through the gate. So the mind flare has been here in Hawkins ever since, which I think that makes sense to me when you, when you try to recontextualize it with the final image of season two, right? Right. Which is the mind flare lording over, uh, uh upside down school, the upside down school, um, which at, at the time I think you could have considered of just like, it's conspiring to find some way to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it really is just like a mirror image of like, it's, it's here. Like it was just like to show us that like, it's still, it's still around. What do you think? gone away what do you think they teach in upside down school what do they teach in upside down school i don't know how to explode if you're uh if or or not explode yeah if like the, the intricacies of face eating yeah yeah if, uh, face sucking and uh making sure that you uh when you inhabit a host you don't just like immediately combust yeah uh pick the right host so that you don't just immediately combust uh, and how to just like scare the living daylights out of people. Uh, Will is telling them that, uh, he, he does it with like a charcoal sketch and like he puts his like hand on the sketch and like does like a little blur thing. Then he shows them his, his handprint that has some chalk on it, some charcoal on it. And he does like a handprint on a piece of paper and that's like the mind flare that's still behind. It's like, I forgot, Will, you're such an artist. Yeah. Well, let's not, let's remember. That's always best part of his thing, right? Yeah. It's I mean, always been a part of his He's thing. always drawing. Last time was when he drew the giant underground map that Bob was able to, to deduce, you know, were the tunnels beneath I, I would say this one maybe a little you know unnecessary especially yeah. compared to last season but I, it does bring up this is a very flashback heavy episode including that scene where literally they would mention something flashback to season two and i guess I, i'm willing to begrudge him more because of just the format of 
the Netflix model that some people have watched this two years ago and have not even, you know, given another mind or mind flare as to what happened. They're just hopping back in. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so it makes sense to show that footage. It's weird from our perspective, considering that like I just binge season two again before watching this. So it's a little bit like, I understand what's happening and it's weird sometimes to, you know, have the action jump back immediately. But, you know, it, it does seem to at least get them and the audience on the same page. Because this was something that you and I, I think, had speculated in the very first episode of the season. Yeah, I guess I got to say that I do wish uh, it does seem like we're going like full on in back on the Mind Flayer. And the Mind Flayer was like a pretty powerful figure that was introduced in season two. I just wish that maybe we could be doing something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I guess we're doing it in a different way. Right. But it still just does kind of feel like, you know, the way that Will is introducing like this, you know, he, he's just drawing something. He's drawing again. Like he's drawing something different. Like this feels like we've seen this type of like conveying of, of information before in the past of the show. It just it does feel a little repetitive to me. It just feels like sort of like a same idea presented with a different coat of paint. I'm not sure yet if that's necessarily a bad thing, or maybe if that's just kind of like vitally what Stranger Things even is. I mean, it's a mm. it's an '80s homage, so why doesn't it just like continually send its own self up? Um, I'm not entirely sure where I stand on it yet, mm. but I I am feeling a, a little bit cautious as we're getting uh pretty it seems like pretty firmly back into Mind Flayer territory as of this episode. I would agree, honestly, until I saw the ending of this episode. Yeah, the ending is fun because I think the fun lies and the differences to your point that yes we we have had you know this is essentially humanized de- de- demo dogs where they're still you know seems like supplicants of the mind flare but what i love about it is that these are human hosts and so you do have that humanity to it you have this really interesting push and pull uh with max just sort of having to watch billy you know sweat through and beg through being forced uh, into the sauna test and i think that's sort of where the fun is going to lie hopefully in the rest of the season is okay we know who the enemy is but what happens when the enemy are our friends yeah and what happens when the enemy looks like us how are we supposed to handle that how does that ramp up the paranoia and how do we how do we kill it because it's easy enough to you know have 11 uh you know explode a demogorgon it's a little different when it's the brother of one of your friends. So everybody is now together in in terms of these kids, and they're able to trade some information, and Eleven and Max are able to basically be like, yo, we think something's up with Billy, probably. So this is kind of all tracks. And so they want to test and see if Billy is under the control of the Mind Flayer, and if so, uh, how do we stop him? How do we do it? And so they come up with the sauna test, uh, the, the name of the episode, where they're going to go to the pool, where Billy works, and they're going to lure him into a sauna, ideally not while all of those old half-naked men are in there. Uh, Oi, get out of here. Get out of here, you crazy kids. I'm trying to sweat in uh, here. I love all the New York Jews just summer in Hawkins, apparently. <laughs> it was great. It was great. My people. Uh, it was really funny. Have you, do you have any sauna experience? No, God, no. You would. Uh, it would really require a lot to get me into a sauna. I am um, not. This is not my kind of thing. You're not going to find me at a spa castle. Mm-hmm. Emily Fox is working overtime to get me to do acupuncture. I am very Ooh. reluctant to do it. She is a, a 
diehard swears by it acupuncture fan. Uh, and she's really trying to convince me to do it. I barely like a massage, Mike. That opinion is slightly starting to shift, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm really not a fan. I just don't like to be, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't, I don't like to be pampered in this way, Mike. Well, my yeah. body is my body and I don't want anyone to go near it. Stay yeah, away. Or, or anything near it. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm not usually just because my experience is sort of akin to what the kids stumbled upon. Like, you know, no offense to the clientele that usually frequents spas, but like, am I really gonna, you know, shoot the shit with uh, a man 40 years my senior who might have different, very differing opinions from me? I will say when my wife and I went to... While half nakes, no less. While half nakes. Potentially exactly. full nakes, depending on who you're who you're in there I, with. It's one of my main icebreakers to comment on someone's outfit. Uh, when your outfit is your bod, yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like the question You can get in a lot of trouble for that. Exactly. Uh, I will say on my honeymoon in St. Lucia, uh, my wife and I did sort of like a pampered spa day, which did include a massage, and I did go into the sauna for like a hot second, quite literally yeah. a hot second. It's one of those things where like, I couldn't honestly stay in there for longer than like maybe three minutes just because I would have paranoid fears of what happened to Billy here, which is like someone could very easily just lock him from the other side and then I'm going to turn into a puddle. Uh, so that was my own anxiety just sort of forcing me out of the spawn. And the, thi- spot. the thing about me, Mike, is I'm like the mind flare. I like cold. Mm. You know, I like it cold. I don't want I don't want to be too hot. And so what happens to Billy in in this scene where where they lure him in with well, like Well Josh, I hear some like it hot though. Some like some like it hot, I've heard that as well. Billy gets lured into the sauna through like a series of walkie talkie <laughs> horror movie child giggles and uh, a, a dangling mannequin that he should have been able to just like see from because he sees it before he goes in. And like yeah. they really should have thought that through because like what if he was out there and he sees he's like, Oh, they're trying to like lure me into this room. Yeah. So I shouldn't go in there. The thing as well is that the Billy in this scene is the Billy that we know and I would not hesitate to say uh, do not love. But it's so interesting comparing that to when he was luring Heather's parents last time. And we had spoken about that, how like, oh, I like Bitly because Bitly asks a completely different way than Billy. We talked about some dormancy with the kids. Are we to assume that the Billy before going into the sauna was sort of like the dormant Billy? This is the regular Billy, and then once he got into the sauna and he started behaving behaving a bit differently, that's when the mind flare part of Billy that, came out. I just think that this is taking a toll on him. I mean, he's been infected for a couple of days now, right? Like at I'd least longer, at yeah. least two, if not three or so days at this point. Um, so I think like at a, at a certain point, like just like the the amount of time that he's been, you know, exposed to to this to this possession. Uh, it's it's got to be starting to take its toll. Where like he probably it required a lot of effort for him to to put on a show for Heather's parents, uh, and that probably just took so much out of him. And then he had to go to work the next day. We were joking off the air of the great thing about the Mind Flayer's plan so far is that the people it's possessing. It's like, but just just keep up appearances. Definitely yeah. still go to work. And when you're at work, behave as as close to normal in the work environment as humanly possible. If that's the case, Tom, I'm, those papers aren't going to edit themselves. If that's the case, though, they fail. Plus, with I'm Billy a news junkie. Why did Billy have a giant sweater on? I, well, he's he's you know he likes it. Uh, I, I mean, he, he's the opposite of liking it cold. He like he likes it cold. So like, is he like cold at that point? And so now he he's like, ooh, but now I'm too cold. So now I have to put a little uh, put a little shirt on. I will, I will also say, going back to the cold open, uh, Max. You know what? She does know what a roller coaster ride is unlike 11 but a little bit of naivete on max part of like 
She was, Heather was just taking an ice bath. You do that when you have a fever. No, you do that when someone wants your kidney. That's right. Yeah, I've seen enough crime shows to know that that's the case. Uh, that's how they were going to get Dewey Crow's four kidneys out of him in, in Justified, <laughs> if I recall. Uh, they they trick Billy. They get him into the sauna. And him being in there, let a, like take even the possession out of it, but him being locked in the sauna is a nightmare for me. I hate being hot. And that would just be a disaster. They're just like trying to like see like how much can he stand before mm-hmm. he starts to snap. It's not a lot. He does start to snap. He he says some things and it's hard to know what the balance is, right? On right. on is he authentically like is this Billy being remorseful of like I've done some bad stuff, Max. I've done some terrible things. He made me do it. Um but he's also like going for like a piece of ceramic like Walter White style yeah. uh when he was up against Crazy 8, like he's like got like a, the shard of the sandwich plate and like he's ready to come after after Max as he's saying these things. Uh, is, is that authentically Billy breaking through, or is this a mind flayer ploy? Do you uh, think? I is there I'm, like a little bit of both? I mean, I want to believe the best in him, so I'm going to go with the former. And that I could see another. We were wondering why do we keep this jackass of a character around into the third season, who was demonstrably pure evil in season two. And maybe one reason was we want to use him for this mind flayer stuff. The other might be that the Duffers want to humanize him. And so I could very well see a moment where, yeah, this We're guy... rehabbing Billy. Yeah, image rehab. This guy pretends to be the bad boy, but it turns out that, like, he did all this crazy stuff, and he's actually regretting it. I mean, eh, that that's that's fine. I mean, it is true, though, that this could be a, a very easy tactic yeah. that the Mind Flayer is trying to use before it tries to uh, pull a Jack Torrance and take Max through that little window in the sauna. Maxie! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going to use the shinning. Uh, but it's Eleven who has the shinning. Uh, she's got the power. So, so, uh, so he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna break through. Billy's gonna get out of the sauna through like sheer power that everybody is like deeply both terrified and I think like lightly impressed uh, by. <laughs> who do you think was the most impressed? I mean, I think well, like Lucas is like, there's no way he can get out, and then he gets out. It's like, oh, he got out. So I wonder. I think <laughs> yeah. Lucas. I would be scared because that's my uh, girlfriend's yeah, if, older if there's, brother. There's, there's a little bit of already a horrible, you're like, like you're n- sort of racist. You're number one on the hit list. You're far from eleven. It's not great. Eleven's uh, ultimately able to best Billy, but not without some effort, which is a little frightening because Eleven basically anytime she's been up against something really, really scary, she's prevailed. Yeah, and like she- fairly cleanly, right? Like how how many times has Eleven been like in deep physical danger? No, I mean she's pretty much been the nuclear option, especially since really mastering her powers in season two. Um, you would say maybe in the first season where she was a little bit more emotionally supple. Could, you know, her power, when she was still trying to get a hang of her powers, when she was, like, screaming and making things break. Uh, but that pretty much, like, by the time she was shoplifting Ego, I feel like that, you know, pretty much it solved itself. So, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I know we talked even last time about, like, okay, does this mean an inevitable showdown for Eleven and the Mind Flayer? I would say this was a battle, not necessarily a war, but it was very interesting to see how back and forth it was because again you know 11 didn't really face off with the mind flare last time she just more so closed the door in his face now that he's finally gotten through into the house we get to see them go toe to toe a bit and yeah 
it was scary to see Eleven, you know, put in a chokehold. I did not think she would die anytime soon, but my mouth was certainly agape, much like the children's. If I would, they I, killed Eleven off in Stranger Things, I'd be shocked. If they'd killed her in the fourth episode of the third season, like, that's not this show. No. That's like, you know, that's like a that's like an HBO drama move. Like, that's The Wire. The yeah. Wire will, like, kill off a, a very important character in the, a random episode. Uh, that's not really Stranger Things' MO. So I wasn't worried about her, but I think it was a it was a, a, a strong demonstration of, of what she's up against this season. And I think that they really are trying to, to pit her against something that's more formidable than she's she's dealt with in the past. She's dealt with Demogorgons and Demodogs and all this stuff. So, uh, so and, and Billy's swole even without this, uh, the Mind Flayer. <laughs> yeah, business. I wonder I wonder if, you know, I still think that Billy just happened to luck out, I'll put in quotations, for having to be, you know, hit something outside of the Steelworks for the Mind Flayer to take him over. But Mind Flayer got very lucky. Uh, it could have been Doris Driscoll who is the host, who I do not think would be uh, as physically adept to be able to shove people, you know, up against walls. One thing uh, that that happens as Billy's like really like tweaking out is we'll, you know, we're kind of uh, sidestepping to the Jonathan and Nancy storyline, but Nancy is going to get back to Mrs. Driscoll. And like at the same exact time that Billy is tweaking out, we see Mrs. Driscoll is doing the same thing. Uh, so it's just like, you, you got to imagine it's like that shared network thing, right? Yeah. So then my question about that was, and I guess... Per the end of the episode, we saw Heather, uh, you know, and some others in that basement standing, a la some nice uh, Westworld hosts in cold storage because he likes it cold. Right. I guess my question is, you know, if Tom is hanging out at the news office, does the same thing happen to him? Was this happening, in your opinion, to everybody Probably. in that network or do you think it just happened to be these two Probably right you would think un- unless there's something very special about Mrs. Driscoll which would be fun uh, <laughs> like i feel like you know that's that's a, a fun horror trope of like take somebody who seems like really lovely and innocent and harmless on any day of the week and turn them into an outright monster and Mrs. Driscoll fits that bill uh so if like they decide that they've gone too far with the billy thing and they now want to incorporate some really horrifying Mrs. Driscoll action for the remainder of Stranger Things season three um I'm certainly here for it uh but I I would guess that it's probably like a network-wide thing because we also see at the end of the episode which we can talk about quickly now uh that Billy goes back and Heather's there and Billy's like she saw me she knows about me uh which i thought was interesting that they were like kind of having like a personalized conversation yeah concerned that they're both like this is like the middle finger talking to the ring finger essentially of the mind flare right exactly like they're both they're both part of the same thing um so it does suggest that there is still some humanity in them uh unless there's something specifically special about billy and heather because Heather does say, like, it's not going to be us. It won't be us or something like that. While we see, like, you know, we'll meet again. Uh, which which, which always reminds me of uh, the final episode of The Colbert Report. Oh, yeah, of course. Where he sings that with, like, all these random people and Muppets and political figures, uh, which definitely brought a tear to my eye back in the day. But, yeah, that's that's the only thing I could think of. But it's also very... Reminds me a lot of like uh, a video game trailer. It reminds me a lot of like Bioshock, where I, there are no comparisons between the two, but like having like really scary footage interspliced with like old timey music. I don't know. That's the immediate image. That I feel like that's brain. another like easy button to push, right? Like right. just like put this like really unlike the buttons in the uh, the elevator. Oh at, my god! Mall. Well, that's a it's a that's a good enough segue for me to start talking about what's going on with the Starcourt Squad. As, <laughs> yes, uh, is that we're coining that now? Yeah, I, I, I like Starcourt Squad. I was thinking Scooper Troopers might be <laughs> might be fun as well. Uh, but but I think Starcourt Squad is good. Uh, 
we we see that they're trying to figure out what's going on. Dustin has been out overnight trying to spy on what's going on. I guess there's just now Russian guards armed in broad daylight in Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, they really just gave. You up. really have to round that corner of the mall. But if you're unlucky enough, like if you're trying to find parking and the Starcourt Mall is full, and so you're driving all around the perimeter to see if there's any like special parking somewhere, and you just wander into the section that has an armed Russian guard there, you're probably dead. I mean, considering you have a Terminator-like man just wandering around Hawkins. Literally, uh, potentially bunch- Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. according to Mayor Klein. Uh, doing a bunch of, you know, uh, mysterious deeds. It seems like these Russians are not necessarily on the side of secrecy, ironically enough, considering how much they're linked to espionage. Yes. Uh, so everyone, they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to get past this guard. Steve thinks he can just fight the guard. I am in love with I this because I, re- take I really do think that Steve thinks he's Batman. And yeah. I'm all here for Bat Steve. Yeah, he, want, he wants to take down the guard. Dustin argues, you've literally never won a fight. <laughs> like, you've been in fights and you haven't won any of them. You lost to Jonathan Byers. You're going to beat a guard? Dustin, I'm the snickiest man. Yeah. And Scoop's a hoy. Yeah. I'm Scoop Man. Uh, <laughs> I got my Bat Scoop. <laughs> yeah, which Dustin licks. Don't lick my Bat Scoop, Don't Robin. Lick, Don't lick my Scooper. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Who wants to sail in an ocean of flavor? I do hope that we get back to Halloween at some point in the future of Stranger Things and that Dustin and, C- and Steve survive this season uh, and are able to get to Halloween and do a Batman and Robin. <laughs> I'm going to push on your butt, Robin. I, yeah, I love that. Like, Well, I guess there's actually a Robin here. Uh, in, in No, uh, you're Batgirl. Yeah, you're no Bat- girls allowed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We Dustin's trying to like go through the vents, and he's like, you know, I've I've got you know CCD. My bones are bendy like gumbo, not Gumby. It's actually Gumby, not gumbo. But let's not correct Steve. And he has that great line: "Push my butt, push my butt," which was so weird. I feel like the uh, the porn version of Stranger Things. Oh no, Stranger Thongs. I don't want to talk about this, Mike. <laughs> this is weird, and I am getting yeah, out of it. Yeah, talking about gum and breadsticks. Okay, I'm out of here. I'm not. Not gumming these breadsticks. Uh, but even Dustin, he's not going to be able to fit in through the vent. Uh, and so they're going to need, they're going to need someone smaller, someone who is, a uh, who is, uh, more of a, of a surefire bet Cue to get in through the vent. Season three MVP at this point. I'll put the rubber stamp on it right now. Erica, Erica Sinclair. She's ridiculous. I mean, this is the kind of thing where like, it's it's so fan servicey. It's so like she was funny in season two, so let's give her a ton of stuff to do in season three. Like there's a lot about the use of Erica in season three so far that represents so much of what I don't like about how this show mm-hmm. is made, where so much of it is clearly in response to what works rather than kind of just, I don't know, like sticking to a plan. Um, but at the same time, She's so funny. Right. I mean, listen, Josh, so funny. you can't pronounce air duct without Erica. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, you can't uh, you can't spell Merica, the merge tribe of Survivor Worlds Apart, without Erica. Oh, boy. I do not want to see uh, Erica. I mean, that, is that how you look for idols? Is that how Mike Holloway... Erica... Push my butt, Shireen. Erica, I do not like Erica's odds to win a season of Stranger Things Survivor just because I think that she would uh, that burn is the jury. A steel waiting to... Happen. I feel like she would burn burn the jury. Mike, if you set it up in time for the feedback show. I, uh, I, I think I can 
do that. Potentially, I, mean, we could, I can reliably do that. Potentially, sixteen ice cream treats. Yeah, <laughs> potentially we could do that just in case the feedback is like maybe we can uh, we can brand steal this thing. Put that in the back pocket. Put that Brenner steal. Yeah, we can do that. We can give we can give that a shot. Uh, Bryant cream. Uh, <laughs> it's just a, just an idea. Uh, but she would burn the jury. You know, she's too she's too much truth. Yeah. I think uh, I think using the capitalism speech might not work in a final tribal council setting. Then again, she's able to get free ice cream for life. This is how she's able to leverage her position. She's like, I could absolutely go through the vent. I just want to know what's in it for Erica. Which, uh, <laughs> which, if I'm Steve, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. I have no oversight on this. Yeah. You have access. Operation Child Endangerment. I, I literally do this all the time. AKA, my childhood. Yeah. I fell down a well. <laughs> yeah. Why do we fall? Uh, <laughs> there's so many great Erica lines that, like, the Erica line of the week is hard to pick. I don't have phobias is really good. You can't spell America without Erica. Her giving, like, the whole spiel about capitalism, uh, which I didn't quite jot down. It's, it's very Gordon Gecko. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And, like, we have, like, that, like, very patriotic music playing underneath Erica giving that speech. It's just, like, Stranger Things gives me whiplash, man. Like, are you scary or are you corny AF? Like, sometimes I really just don't know what you're trying to be. Uh, and this is one of the corny AF moments, but it's very, very funny. Yeah. And she eats 16 different ice cream products. Yeah. You ready for the list? I've got the list. Yeah, please All right, let's, read them out. Let's run down the list because we, we paused, we stopped down, and we it, I think 10 minutes is an exaggeration, but I think that we genuinely took five minutes to catalog everything that was happening on the ice cream table right uh so this this is what you're seeing from like the from the the start of the from the top of the table uh facing us uh we are we are going uh from there and going left around the table back to start so it starts with a waffle cup Mm. that has uh some sort of ice cream in it with like a cookie studded into the scoop of ice cream it looks like maybe a samoa the Girl Scout cookie. Would you send this dish to Samoa? I I probably would. I mean, I have to taste. It's really dependent on the ice cream. If this yeah. is like really like cheap, chemically flavored ice cream, I'm not gonna be thrilled about that. Look, if it's the if it's the Hagen Dazs, I don't know if they're mixing that green goo into it. I don't want to taste that ice get cream. Get me that Hagen Dazs. I will just say again, and I would be I would be thrilled to eat it. Uh, the the next one is it's like a Sunday in uh in a Scoops Ahoy uh, Styrofoam cup. That's for you. Shut up, Tim. Uh, it looks like there's cookies and cream ice cream, and that one's like mm-hmm. a little cookies and cream mini sundae. That would be that's my fave flavor. So I would, you know, if I'm power ranking these, I'm probably gonna put that near the top of the list. Personally, I had a very tasty cookies and cream very recently. Ooh. Not gonna lie about that. I mean, you were up in like cow country, so I can imagine the dairy products. It was up main, there main cream, main cream. It was very tasty. Uh, there's a milkshake that has like a huge layer of whipped cream. It looks like it's mostly whipped cream at the top, so there's no telling what the flavor is but Mm. that much whipped cream is probably going to be really really tasty though too much to imbibe in a single sitting with the other two uh products already mentioned not to mention uh the remaining 13 (laughs) products there is like a pile of sherbet or like tutti frutti you thought at first that we think that there is another tutti frutti flavor on the table in comes four ice cream cones Mike, there's a strawberry cone. There's the cone that looks like it's a tutti frutti cone. Mm-hmm. There's something that looks like it's either banana or I called it bad vanilla. <laughs> like you know when the vanilla is just like it's like chemically yellow. Yeah, uh, that's what it looked like. Uh, th- there's like something that has like a has like whipped cream on it, and there's a cherry. It looks like the ice cream is vaguely pink. 
So let's just call it cherry ice cream. Sounds good. Uh, then there's a huge bowl of vanilla. It's got another cookie on it. it. Looks like it's just sort of like a sugar cookie. Doesn't look too exciting. It's got a plastic red anchor in it, and I hope Which, that Erica isn't so voracious that she's going to eat the plastic red anchor. Is that like supposed to be like a toothpick to hold the ice cream? I in think place? so. And that one didn't seem so elaborate. Didn't seem to me like it was going to need. Uh, you have to wonder: Is she going down the list and being like one of those, one of those, one of those, or do you think she's like, hey, wizards? Come up with some sort of ice cream treat for me. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I hope not. That's a lot of pressure to put on uh, Steve and the gang. But if she just says one of everything, that makes a lot more sense. Or maybe it speaks to her creativity that like she like came out with all of these different things that she wants. Mm. There's a banana split that she basically crushes. This is the USS Butterscotch, ladies and gentlemen. There is a, a float of some variety. Is it a root beer float, do we want to say? I, I mean, I hear a little bit of like a slurp that sounds slurp. something soda-like. Soda, uh, soda-ish, so delicious. She very patronizes finishes while Dustin's trying to rally the troop. Here. I think we got to get Eric on Man Eats Food, uh, Man vs. <laughs> food, by the way. Adam Richman is retired. Casey Webb ought to retire, I got to say. As uh, how long has he been doing this for? Too long. Poor guy, really. If you watch the Man vs. Food episodes in the Casey Webb era, there are a few people on television that I uh, that my heart goes out to more, and who I I just I I hope for the best for this man. He looks like he's in agony as he's going up against food every time. Erica, like step aside, uh, like uh, Joey Walnuts or yeah. whoever it is, chestnuts, chestnuts. I don't know. I think you're talking about Polly Walnuts. Yeah, Polly Walnuts. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to see Polly Walnuts and Erica together. I think it would be pretty good. Uh, but I think that the, the Nathan's hot dog contest. Uh, yeah. It is Fourth of July. Uh, maybe that's going to be the ending of Stranger Things season three. Is she's gonna. She's She's going to win a hot dog. We're not even done with the ice cream. There's like a slice of mint yeah, ice the, cream we're at, like, pie. Intermission right now. There's like a mint ice cream cake that she has a slice of. She's got a strawberry ice cream that's covered in some sort of like berry sauce mm-hmm. with a cherry on it. There's yet another strawberry looking thing that has a cone hat and a smiley face made out of cherries. And the cone uh, has like this like green frosting that is uh, around the perimeter of the cone so as to represent like this ice cream's like elven like hair. It's like it's like a Santa Claus's helper. <laughs> yes, it's like a, the, a Rivendell dessert, if you will. I think I think we are noting that um, that that Erica likes the fruity flavors quite a bit. I would I say she prefer, so. She, she tends to favor the fruity. I would say so. I think she's going for maybe that. I'm not a huge fan of the fruity ice cream, but you know what? To each their own. I'm assuming people aren't necessarily clamoring for them. So maybe that's another reason why she picked those because she said, let me pick, you know, ones you have more of so you can, you know, work more with it as opposed to there's only so much vanilla you can utilize considering how much of a hot commodity it is by the end of the day. I can dig on the fruity flavor. I'm just a little struck by the balance of uh, it's more fruity than than the chocolates and the vanillas and and those types. Uh, I'd probably go more towards the latter. Uh, She has a chocolate fudge in a styrofoam cup there's just like chocolate with chocolate fudge on, mm-hmm. on chocolate that. on chocolate um and i and and so the the last item is is not on the table but we're counting it as the 16th is there's this like three scoop sailboat that she made steve take back because it it's didn't like, have like enough a schooner made yeah. it like i'm really impressed. A schooner is a sailboat <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Go back to oh, man, going back to my episode <laughs> yes, two predictions yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm i think this is the most impressive thing considering that it's like it looks like one of those like Chinese junk boats where there are three curved waffle pieces representing three different sails, which, I mean, if I'm Erica, I guess she can quibble to have Steve go back and redo it, but it does seem the most artistically impressive out of the lot. Yeah. Um, she has, uh, she has that, and that's when she sends back uh, for Steve to put more fudge on it. And I remember thinking at the time, like, 
wow, that's indulgent. That's crazy. Why does she need more fudge on anything given the amount of ice cream that she already has? But I think when you take inventory of everything, she actually is lacking a little bit in the fudge department. Uh, so maybe she wants to make sure that she is going to get at least one item that is just like covered in mm. chocolate fudge. And like that's what she's accounted for. And that's why there is so much fruit uh, on on the table there. It's not the fudge she yeah. needs. It's the fudge <laughs> she deserves. Yeah, it's the fudge she deserves. Uh, man, Erica could put away ice cream. I, I guess like at the start of this, I was grossed out. Now I'm more impressed. Uh, I was like, I can, con- I get a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I was concerned though that, you know, she's going to be in this tight space. What if she rounds a corner where she gets stuck? She has eaten 16 different ice cream products and some of those products are like multi-tiered products. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about one item that has three scoops in it. Uh, that counts as one product. So who knows how many scoops of ice cream, uh, she has, she has indulged in. And if she gets stuck in the vent, I mean, Danger. I mean, deep, the, deep, deep, deep. I mean, danger. that's why it's called Operation Child Endangerment. I think it was less so about her landing in a hotbed full of Russians. But I feel so like about- she helped her, her. She didn't help her case. I felt. I feel like she like kind of uh, endangered herself. Yeah. Some of this. I mean, look, and if something does come out, a la Hopper into that poor pan his day after getting his butt kicked. It's a form of lubrication, I guess, to slip out of a, a tight situation. Yeah. It's a good segue into Hopper, but we're not quite done with what's happening at the Starcourt Mall. She makes it through the vent somehow. It's impressive. She gets everybody through the door that they're trying to get into. They open a package. Which... But, not Chinese food, Mike. Yeah, but I would also say, like you said, uh, the guards are you know pretty heavily arming the place. But I guess they're, they're, they work, what, like 18 out of the 24 hours? Because when she opens the doors, nobody's, nobody's there. there. Nobody's there. Maybe she defeated the guard. Maybe Steve was right. Maybe the guard was takeable and Erica was just able to just like John McClane oh, my thunder. take him down. Absolutely. Uh, forget Batman. There's uh, there is it's the secret of the use. It's yeah. a, it, a, the TMNT reboot idea. It's still in play because there's these there's these like vials of green goo uh, that if you if you poured that on turtles, man, they'd be talking at you. Performing martial arts in no time. Yeah, I'm surprised. If there, is there a pet store in the Starcourt Mall? Because if so, I think you go there next. Master Splinter is still a possibility. That's I true. I feel like it's on the table. So what are our leading theories about this? Because, you know, I think we had looked into, like, the Russians in the various cold opens trying to make this big Stargate-esque thing to open the Upside Down back up. This throws a new wrench into the equation. I don't know. I mean, is it something that they have, like... I was going to say, is it something they've taken from the Upside Down? Probably not, because they're trying to get into it. Plus, I feel like the Upside Down stuff, like, it's that green is such a vibrant color, and the Upside Down is all about, like, dull ashen tones. You know, I was looking back recently, uh, I, I was checking back because I was working on a different Stranger Things project. I was checking out when, when Mr. Clark is talking to the boys in season one in, um, you know, and talking about, like, the flea and the and the tightrope. hot date gets interrupted? Right. No, it's, it's before that. It's at the fake it's at the not a fake funeral it's for the funeral for who they believe is mm-hmm. will Byers at the time uh and they're trying to like get information from him of like how would we get into the upside down if such a thing exists and he talks about a multiverse and how there's multiple different universes um could stranger things ever introduce a third or fourth or fifth universe other than just the the two that we've gotten to know and if so could like this green be representative of that mm. maybe maybe not maybe it's just another uh sauce for a scoops ahoy flavor <laughs> Mike. Ooh, some nice key lime green sauce. Uh I think it's probably something to get into the upside down. You know, some mm. that they're you know, they're trying I I would guess that they're trying to get into the upside down here from Hawkins, right? Like that makes sense. This is a hotbed for upside down activity. Right. They had been trying to do this in Russia at least a year before. It wasn't really working. 
Uh, so are they trying to get that done here now? Uh, do they Are they shipping material that they think is going to be helpful either for getting in or once they get in? Is this material that could like... I don't know, like subdue creatures from mm. the upside down. Well, here's, a weapon. The th- here's the thing. Maybe it's some sort of like, and I apologize for making so many like Marvel connections or, or superhero connections this episode, but uh, could this be some sort of like super serum that like maybe it makes you ultra immune or like super strong to the effects of the upside down? And they're trying to like immunize their agents against the effects that might come so they can weaponize it. It's 11 up. Ooh, I love that. Coin it. Call it. All right, this is juice. You're going to drink it. You're going to turn into a powerful person. It's going to be great. You're going to yeah. turn into a, mute, a mutant turtle. <laughs> be a ninja. There's some small side effects. Namely, you're going to become a turtle. So the, the room is an elevator, and they're in an express elevator to hell uh, yeah. by the by the end of their storyline in this episode. To be continued. Uh, watch out for Erica to be on that elevator right now while she's got everything in her stomach. <laughs> no, it's going to... One could wind up covering in a different type of goo by very, the time it's all over. But this is an nervous. interesting crew. I like how it's been slowly amassing more people. Like, first it was the Batman and Robin of uh, of Steve and Dustin. And then, much like Batman and Robin, we end up adding Robin on as Batgirl. Erica comes on as... I don't know. Could she be like the Jason Todd to She's replace? Like, well, there's there's a Robin named Damien who's the son of Batman mm. uh, in the comics, and it's the son of Batman, and uh, I believe it's uh, Talia Al Ghul, Ra's Al Ghul's daughter, mm. and uh, and he's like a real firecracker. He takes no crap from right, anybody I'm, and tells you exactly how he's feeling. He's like a killer. Uh, so I feel like Erica is like the Robin you can't control. Right. And so Dustin's eventually going to become Red Hood and sort of like strike off on his own. Oh, my God. Well, that means that like Dustin has to die for a little while. And I don't want to <laughs> see that happen. Yeah. Uh, that's too Trump. That's too traumatic. Especially with those bendy bones. No, no way. Uh, let's talk about Hopper. Let's talk about what's going on in the Hopper story. Hopper line. the pill popper. Yeah. Hopper the pill popper. Uh, he starts off where he's puking his guts out, as you mentioned, uh, after having his butt kicked by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and his butt stripped. And his butt stripped. Yeah, he's nakes. He's full nicks. He looks like he belongs in a sauna. He's in the towel. <laughs> uh, awkward moment with him and Joyce as he is just like fully nude. Uh, this is the, the whole thing is going very poorly. Yeah. So we, t- we talked about this a bit offline where, you know, he has this whole exchange where he's like, how did I get home? And she's like slowly. Uh, so are we to assume that like she helped him home and he doesn't remember? Or are we to assume that like he totally took off and just doesn't have a recollection of the entire experience because he got the wind knocked out I of him? I think it's that. I think it's that. I think that he just got his butt kicked and she needed Because, I mean, the former home. would imply that she stripped him naked. Right. Well, I think that that's also probably true. I think mm. that, that, that that probably did happen. And I think like to remove the clothes would be easier than to then like put like new clothes on his unconscious body and maybe just figures like a big thick blanket would be enough. I loved Hopper in this episode. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Hopper uh, decides, like, we gotta we gotta go take care of this, because the last time I saw the Russian, he was coming out of Mayor Klein's office. Let's go talk to Mayor Which, Klein. Which, can I also say, I, I've, I've stood on this for a bit, and it makes me even more furious that not only did they not name him Kevin Klein, but they did not give him a first name that could have the initials N or D. So you could come up with incline or decline yeah. like the potential's right there stranger things and well you the just good news mike it. is he is definitely a d so we can call him <laughs> we can call him decline if you'd like uh but mayor klein he he's gonna he's gonna face off with hopper and he's gonna do that classic thing uh, you know that classic 80s bad guy thing of i'm a smooth talker and i'm tough I don't care about you or your daughter or your pill popping. I don't care what kind of dirt that you've got on me. You're a doof. I'm the best. You can leave. And Harper's like, 
cool. All that's great. How would you feel about all of that if I chopped your finger off with a cigar cutter? <laughs> See, I I love the shades of Hopper. I will say, I've said this on the podcast before, I was not a huge fan of the first two episodes, doofy sitcom dad Hopper, even though that is a shade to his character. I really like this a bit more. This is like the New York cop Hopper that's coming up in my opinion, where he's, like, slamming his perp's face into a door, breaking his nose, and just, like, throwing him around willy-nilly, dragging him to his palatial mansion and demanding these secretive files and then handcuffing him to his bed. Just, like, I mean, as he said in previous episodes, he's the, he's the chief of police. He can do whatever he wants. He chief can of police. steal alcohol from, uh, from restaurants. He, he can, can beat the crap out of the mayor. Yeah, exactly. Like, he really is practicing, you know, carte that, blanche that, here. that has always been a hallmark of Hopper, is that he does everything without fear of reprisal. Uh, whether that's, like, fear of reprisal from a superior, somebody who could, like, you know, depower you professionally... Uh, or if it's just like going into an underground network of like quasi upside down subterranean pumpkin patch field without any sort of protective gear. Like he just like he throws himself through walls. He throws himself through fire. He just doesn't care. Mm. Uh, and like the fact that he is still standing at all is <laughs> is already a shock. Uh, but you know, it not, it's not for lack of trying on the part of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who who did give him quite the beat down. So much like Eleven is finding herself facing some stiff competition this season, perhaps Hopper has also met his match. Um, the 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 Hopper storyline ends with. He enjoys. They go. To, they go to Mayor Klein's mansion. They find out that the people who own the Starcourt Mall are they the Russians? Yes. Yeah, so seems like it. Right. It seems like the Russians have essentially paid off Mayor Klein. You know, gave him some much needed resources, probably to pay off that damn house. Considering right. the, from what we've seen in Hawkins, house. that just sticks out entirely uh, in exchange for access to some land. And I was a bit confused as to whether or not it was the land for Starcourt Mall or if it was land beyond Starcourt Mall, but it appears to be land... East Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, so, but it appears to be a... Re- East Hawkins lions uh, are going to be introduced in Season 4, uh, and they're going to make the, the Hawkins Panthers look like the bad guys, and it's going to be a very, very strange, uh, once again, upside-down flip of the script. Ooh, I love that. Does that mean Hopper becomes a football coach? Yes, that's exactly what's Oh my, could happen. you imagine? Yeah, get in here. God, you little shits. Yeah. Ah, I'm so drunk. I feel like so Hopper drunk. as a football coach would be good. I, I think it'd be he'd be great, but horrible for the team yes. at the same time. Yes. Uh, but it looks like the land that they chose to buy up is around this power plant, which comes back to Joyce's big old grand unifying theory of magnets. Magnets. How do they work? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which this he's is been helping. obsessed with for the entire half but season. But Hopper's in this time. He's like, I want you to quit your job and work for me at the police. Yeah. <laughs> job offer on which, the spot. Which would be an interesting way to end this season to Detective Joyce, I think, would be a very interesting swerve. Yeah, Inspector Joyce is what Ooh, I would like. Ooh, Insp- Inspector Joyce. I could imagine a very, like, Hercule Poirot thing. I think it'd be cool. Of her walking in, cool. like, let's see what happened with this murder. So they end the the episode. They're at they're at some house that seems to be owned by the same people. They're trying to figure out what's going on there. We just don't really know where that's going yeah, quite th- yet. They, they basically got a list of properties that the Russians were buying up from the, the, the documents that Klein had on file. And so they're basically just going around to each and being like, what's, what's going to house the machine? That demagnetized things. So they basically think like there's a big machine coupled with the energy coming from the power plant was what caused that big power surge. So they're sort of on the hunt. Uh, we have their sort of now investigatory threads on all ends. It does seem like the first few episodes, some people were treading water a bit, but now everyone is furtively swimming in their own respective directions. All right, I guess we got to talk about Jonathan and Nancy. <laughs> Let's we, do it. We ate enough ice cream, Josh. Now is your after dinner mint. So they're in trouble. 
uh, because of everything that happened with Mrs. Driscoll. And it leads to a scene that, that we laughed at a lot as it was happening uh, with Tom uh, lecturing Jonathan and Nancy with like, I've got six facts for you. Fact one, you both look great. Right now, you look fantastic. And I think you clean up nice for work. Fact two, you shouldn't have gone to Mrs. Driscoll. Like, he just has like all these ridiculous things and it's drawn out so much. And he looks like, let me just say it, dog shit. Yeah. He looks bad. Yeah, he looks horrible. The he looks ca- like he, he's like sweating so profusely. He looks like he's just motorboated a tub of Vaseline. <laughs> he's just like, so, his face is I gotta be sweating. pageant ready yeah. when I fire these teens. Uh, I mean, he also, like, the camera doesn't help things. Like, I'm pretty sure the, the cameraman just left it on a bad angle and forgot to fix it because we're constantly Dutch here for the entire. But I of think it's scene. intentional because they want you to feel like, they want you to feel messed up the way that Tom probably feels messed up. And he's like, he's like angrily bumping like not throwing a chair but like bumping it accidentally i can't tell honestly if michael park bumped it in a in a outtake and they decided to keep it in there because it was fun probably i would i would expect it's that i don't think that it's that that's that's premeditated uh, otherwise that's not a very a good intimidation tactic is slightly bump into a chair and your victims will cower in fear but i i mean i he, he fires them that's the that's the yada 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 yeah, version number of five it. You, num, num, number six you fired number seven you stole fizzy lifting yeah. <laughs> and now they need to be washed and sterilized so you get nothing you lose Good day, sir. Uh, but, but but Tom, I said good day. Uh, why does why do, if he's been possessed, if he's been if he's under the influence of the of the mind flare, like Billy and Heather uh, are as well, and presumably Mrs. Driscoll at this point. Um, why does he need to go to work? What, <laughs> what's the reason? Why do these people need to go to work? I, and I mean that both like you know tongue in cheek, but also like genuinely. Like, is there an aspect of keeping up appearances that needs to occur? For the Mind Flayers plan to work. I wonder, it's a fairly sophisticated plan. I mean, I wonder if, if the Mind Flayers are able to incept these people's brains and it knows the networks that these people have, it's an opportunity. I mean, that's how Billy gets Heather, right? Is because he's able, he's a, a friend from work that he's able to bring home to Daddy Mind Flayer. I wonder if they thought, like, oh, Tom works for this big paper. You know, you know, GG, uh, Jake Busey, he might be already incepted if his mind's not already taken over by toxic masculinity. Right. So maybe it's just an idea of like, there's an ability to infiltrate yourself in more people, even though when we do see that really fantastic and chilling final shot of all the uh, the recent recruits, I don't think it's anyone we're familiar with. Seems like we no have like a, recognized, a deadhead yeah. in there, a mailman, a little kid. There's so, a kid, yeah. So it seems like maybe they're just going after, after strangers at the moment, though maybe it will sort of try to utilize its connections uh, through the people that it's possessed to bring in people from their various workplaces. So... Nancy's gonna have like a couple of meeting of the minds with with two people very important to her in her in her life, and they're both very strange, weird, not great scenes to me. Where well, first it's Jonathan who's just ripping into her for no reason. I I kind of understand where he's coming from, though. I mean, this is you know maybe a downside of the of the Nancy Jonathan pairing is that they do sort of come from two different backgrounds and sort of approach things with two different mentalities. And Jonathan did sort of build this up over the first three episodes of like I really need this job. Please don't screw this oh over for God, me. God, I need this job. Oh, could you imagine a chorus line, a Demogorgus line? Maybe that's how they'll beat the Mind Flayers, just by a, like a chorus line kick to the face. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dance 11 looks yeah. 8. Ba, 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 da, da. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you know, Jonathan ends up getting fired because he's essentially with Nancy here. And he's pissed off about it because he sort of feels that Nancy is just 
pursuing things too audaciously. I think he saw a path for her where like she'd be able to work her way up from the bottom. Nancy did not. And I think that's where the fundamental misunderstanding lies. Could it be thrown in there to just put some tension between the young lovers? Absolutely. I find this scene less strange than what we're about to get into at the, at the Wheeler household. So Karen Wheeler is going to have a moment with Nancy where, where Nancy's like really upset about having lost the job and she got yelled at by Jonathan and like she feels like confident in this story that she's chasing, but she's been told that you shouldn't chase the story. And Karen says, you can't, you shouldn't, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough. This world beats you up again and again until eventually most people just stop trying. But you're not like that. <laughs> You're a fighter. You always have been. I don't know where you get it from. And Nancy jokes that I get it from dad, like very quickly, which is very funny. And like fundamentally fully on board with what Karen is talking about here. Uh, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of value in, in the, the, in the conversation and in the speech. I just think it's very strange coming from Karen Wheeler as a mm-hmm. character who is somebody who has literally been given nothing to do on this show other than being like some sort of like humorous comedic, uh, will they, won't they with Billy. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's just, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd vessel for this kind of conversation, unless this is a turning point for Karen. And if it's a turning point for Karen and then like Karen Wheeler becomes somebody who becomes empowered and like, um, you know, they've set up her relationship with Billy and so they like set her up in a position to take him down or something like that, that could be pretty cool. Um, but I just don't have a lot of confidence that that's where Stranger Things is going to go with the character. They've never known what to do with Karen Wheeler whatsoever. So I just find it, I find it odd that she's the person who, who gets to have this conversation with Nancy. Totally agree. Thematically, I really like it. I think it does sort of, you know, I think it's, it's the shot in the arm that Nancy needs to keep going. That being said, where the hell did this come from? Yeah. To, to your point, the last thing we saw of Karen Wheeler, she was lusting after Billy's pool peen. Right. And now she's sort of giving these like after school special talks to her daughter. It just seems like night and day. And maybe this is fleshing out the character. But I really do wonder if it was honestly just an accessory to get, you know, Nancy in that hospital If it's room. fleshing out the character, I'm fine with it. If it's fleshing out the character, I'm good with it. You know, if this is, if this is the start of like Karen is really going to like kind of become more of a character on the show and not just like somebody who's used for gags then, you know, this this could work. Uh, it just, it felt very odd to me, considering that Karen has been used as nothing more than, like, you know, comedic filler at the very best, and often just sort of, like, completely forgotten in the background. And it's also, like... Which we, is weird, too, because she's a series regular on yeah, the show. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Maybe, the maybe you know, maybe the actress was like, uh, okay, can you... We had that fun scene, you know, at the end of... Uh, she's uh, a the, great actress, too. I would love I would love to see more for Cara Buono. I think that she's really good. So uh, I, we just haven't seen anything. The weird thing about the scene to me is I get your point about how, you know, maybe Stranger Things can uh, be a bit too much in the macabre and a bit too much in the goofy... But I don't think we've ever had a scene in Stranger Things like this. Again, it felt very after-school special to me. It felt very much like minute 26 of your TGIF sitcom, where the parent comes in and is like, hey, we're going to face hard things sometimes, but you know what? If you get back on that balance beam, I'm sure you're going to show Westerberg high, you know, what's what in the gymnastics competition. Well, you know, funny enough, I think you framing it that way actually, like, if anything other than Karen actually becoming a character on the show can make this work for me, it's actually kind of that where that is sort of a hallmark of a lot of those like 80s sitcoms or even like the early 90s, mm. you know, the Miller Boyette stuff of like think of all the times Danny Tanner has like that moment with with one of his daughters. Like, is this something that's sort of out of that page? And like they just really they haven't really used that form of homage. And that's something that they're trying to do here. 
maybe just mm. because this is a show that's built so much on homages and throwbacks anyway, like you can forgive it a little bit more. It just it just stood out to me as like kind of strange. I think you and I both like had the same reaction of like, this is such an odd moment from this character. It's like I it just feels so strange when clearly the people who are writing the show just have almost no interest in the character to have yeah. her be, be saying this stuff. So I hope it's the start of something. I, I highly doubt that it's going to be. Yeah, I, I remain hopeful. I'll be very pleasantly surprised. I mean, and maybe this sets up more potential for Karen Wheeler, not in season three, but maybe season four, sure. perhaps. But I think if we want Karen Wheeler to get more involved with the show, she's going to have to see a spooky dookie and not so much have to give these, <laughs> yeah. these uh, you know, pontificated speeches. All right, uh, so wrapping up here. So we're going to give you the point for the sauna test because uh, there was no Shauna. Uh, I believe that you are currently besting me uh, three to one at this point. If I'm, if it's I'm a very low bar we're clearing right. at this point with the hurdles. Uh, Mike, I mean, when we when we did our preview of these uh, of these episode titles, when we did our preview podcast, uh, we had we had bad intel on on a couple of the episode titles. Yeah, we, I, I don't know if they changed at some point, you know, when we recorded them, but it seems like, uh, you know, I, I, maybe this is what Game of Thrones was trying to avoid doing with their final season in that uh, we got some title switches coming up here, Josh. We've got a couple of title switches coming up uh, for the next two episodes, actually, are both uh, title switches. Uh, but I don't I don't want to go ahead and say the title of episode six just yet. Uh, it feels like it may change again. <laughs> well, it may, no, it won't change again. But I think that there's there's stuff to possibly read into it. So we'll we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but but chapter five, which we thought was the source, uh, where where you thought, Mike, that there would be Mister Clark uh, with it with an AV club focus uh, in episode five. Yeah, I believe I called it uh, my di- my dinner with Andre esque focus on Mister Clark as he figures out the right source to uh, play his video on. And I thought that there would be a search for, like, the source for a story, uh, which which may still be in play, uh, but that's not really going to be what's at... Uh, we can't really test that anymore. I think we have to take this next one out of the running, these next two, probably. Uh, and uh, the next one, it's called The Flayed. Uh, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps Bobby Flay will show up. <laughs> yes, uh, then... To take on Erica in a throwdown, an ice cream throwdown. No, she could, I don't know if she can make ice cream. She could certainly eat it. Bobby Flay versus uh, the, scoops, the Scoops Ahoy crew. Yeah, maybe that's what they're going to find at the when the elevator opens up and they're just going to be in... <laughs> welcome like, to beat Bobby Flay. It's Elton, it's Elton Brown and it's like, welcome to Kitchen Stadium. And they just have to like go into like a big arena. Wow, what a crossover. Yeah, they've, like, not, like, they've time-traveled into the future yeah, at the that point. the Food Network multiverse is oh a thing God, now. Oh my God, so that's possible. Rentist turns out to be the, the creature. Food fight coming up in the next episode of Stranger Things, which Mike and I are about to watch and then record our next podcast. And that podcast will be available for you on July 12th. Uh, feedback reminder, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form. Or you can tweet at us at postshowrecaps, at a Mike Bloom type, or at Round Howard. Uh, anything else, Mike? No, uh, I'm happy to meet again. And I do know where and I do know when. It's going to be right here. And a little bit. Okay. Posterrecaps.com slash Stranger Things to subscribe to our Stranger Things feed. Your ratings, your reviews, always appreciated. We'll be back very soon with more coverage. Take care, everybody.